The Athletic. Totally Football Show, European edition. Today, Serie A, Roma start with three Brits and end up in bits. In Stadio Olimpico Stunner with Juventus. Spain, the Super Cup in Saudi and shopaholic Barcelona. Why Bayern Munich will be glad to see the back of Gladbach and PSG Lyon and Marseille's first win at Bordeaux in an eon. Plus more top content from the continent in this Totally Football Show in association with Paddy Power. Okay then, listener. Tuesday, January the 11th. Kind of, but actually Monday, January the 10th. You know how that works. Uh, Monday afternoon, I'm sat here with Alvaro Romeo. Happy New Hello. Year, Alvaro. Feliz Año Nuevo. There you go. James Horncastle is also with us, James. Hello. I was wondering, is there a song uh, like Feliz Navidad for the New Year? Did they, did they do like a follow-up with Feliz Buen Año or whatever? No. Mm. You should know, guys, that that song is English, right? Or American? I think it might be American. It's nothing nothing produced on these shows. But uh, (laughs) so, no, I'm guessing. Uh, Julian Laurence. Bonjour. Bonne année. Bonne année. Bonne santé. Oui, merci. And, uh, oh, not with us today. Raphael Honigstein. He's away on important business. 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 Hmm. Still, plenty for us to discuss. We've had two whole rounds in Italy, two in Spain as well, and, and France are back up, and we'll chat about the Bundesliga too. Of course we will. Jules, were you across the Bundesliga this weekend? Of course I was, yeah, yeah. Que pasa, hermano? Que pasa, hermano? <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to hearing what that's all about. But first, let's get some moments of the weekend with Paddy Power. All right, Alvaro, you're up first. What's your moment of the weekend? Well, more more than the moment of the weekend is the moaning of the weekend, ah. if, you, if I may. Uh, yes, because uh, this weekend uh, a couple of football clubs have used their social media in Spain to social media accounts to criticize the refereeing uh, they have been a victim of, as they are saying. On Saturday, during the halftime of Real Madrid-Valencia, uh, Valencia publishes the following on social media. Real Madrid robberies are becoming quite repetitive. And in the same tweet, they mention as well the money heist, which is a Spanish series, fictional yep, series about, uh, about yep. the robbery. You know that mm-hmm. one? Mm-hmm. And they were referring to the penalty on Casemiro, uh, called uh, minutes before. And it looked like that one was going to be the only one in the weekend. But a day later, uh, there was another institutional absurdity uh, because Betis did a very similar one, calling the sending off of Alex Moreno an ignominy, uh, an assault on the rulebook and something that can't be understood. So, you know, as you can see, there was a little bit of self-pity by Betis and Valencia and uh, maybe something more from two big football clubs, actually. Uh, probably right. uh, two of the most important clubs in the Spanish pyramid. I'm no lawyer, but suggesting that Real Madrid are stealing results on social media sounds actionable to me. Ha- ha- what's been the reaction in Madrid? I think that there hasn't been a very big one yet. Uh, whatever Real Madrid What has Chiringuito says, said about it? <laughs> I tell you what, we will know on Monday evening. Right, okay. Uh, the, we will have the Chiringuito on Monday evening. But uh, the truth is that in the past there was a lot of this, James, I have to say. Mm. Uh, Spanish uh, presidents were very vocal, even at halftime, they were talking to 
to journalists and reporters, but right now this is not happening. So if they come in their Twitter account, it's not only the rant of the president, it's like a big institutional message. And it was a little bit weird to see. The last Chiringuito I saw was of one of the reporters, I think the guy who's friends with Cristiano, finding... He, he found a piece of Carlo Ancelotti's chewing gum. Yeah, yeah. the packet. Yeah, exciting. A bully uh, mm. All right, James, let's hear <laughs> your moment of the weekend. Well, I'm just looking um, at ah, every our tour week. Every, day. every week he goes, oh, I don't know. There's so many, James. There's, no. There's so <laughs> many. Every week, oh, James, I don't know. There's so many. I don't know where to start. We all have one, and he every week goes, oh, I don't know, James. My moment of the week has been influenced by just seeing what Arturo Vidal has put out on Twitter, which is a photo of him and his girlfriend, Sonia, leaning and kissing each other on the bonnet of his pandita, as he says, his little Fiat Panda. Nice. Um, which his, you may recall his house was burgled recently and they didn't take his Fiat Panda, um, which was which quite surprising. Arturo Vidal, the most famous driver of the Fiat Panda after Roberto Baggio, of course. Baggio hmm. has his camouflage panda. Nice. Um, it, does it look but, like the Gerard Piquet leaning on a car kissing uh, photo? <laughs> Slatan. <laughs> <laughs> no, it doesn't look like that. Um, Sonia's in a nice fur coat. Um, okay. I'm not going to describe anything else because it, 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 it... This it, is his moment of the weekend, Jules. How I do you feel? Believe that, I mean, from everything that happened in Serie A this weekend... Right. Now we'll get to that, Jules. Yeah, we'll get to that. All right, well, Jules, follow that if you can. Well, mine is obviously that video that we saw from Mauricardi and Wanda on Twitter. No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Um, my moment of the weekend is <laughs> the first win uh, for Marseille against Bordeaux since October the 1st, in all my lifetime, I'd never seen Marseille beating Bordeaux. It happened on Friday night, eventually, you know, um, the end of the curse, the, the longest curse and the longest uh, winless run in French football uh, history, 44 years, as we said, and they won against a depleted Bordeaux, rubbish Bordeaux team, but it was mm. very good for Marseille to finally uh, break the, the spell. Right, but come back to that Wander and, and, and Icardi video. What, what, what was in that then? <laughs> Which video? Which, yeah. <laughs> anyway, all right, excellent. Well, just to finish off moments of the weekend, here's one of my own. 86th minute of the Liga Nosh game between Estoril and Porto this weekend. Yes. Porto are drawing 2-2 with Estoril. Sergio Conceição, Porto manager, throws on a young player by the name of Francisco Conceição, his son. Two minutes later, he grabs the winner. My word, the scenes afterwards. Everyone's piling on Francisco, but he's breaking clear of them all because he just wants to get to one man, his dad, his papa there on the sideline. Really emotional when the two of them get together and Sergio's basically hitting him on the back of the head, but in a fatherly <laughs> fashion. Lovely scenes, lovely scenes. Did VAR not rule this one out, cruelly? I don't know. Had it done that before? Yeah, it had. They they had this moment where they were celebrating, you know, in 
all the emotion you'd expect, father seeing his son follow in his footsteps and score for Porto, and, and, and VAR cruelly denied it. I think that's the, the biggest case for eradicating VAR that there has ever been. That would be Exhibit 1 for Exhibit me. 1. All right. This was a particularly crucial goal, though, wasn't it, Jules? Yeah, it was, James, because Sporting had lost the night before uh, on Friday, which meant that Porto, with a win, could go three points clear at the top of the table, and they were 2-0 down at halftime against the Australian. Of the five sons that Sergio Consao has with Mrs. Consao, uh, there's the little one who's six years old, who is at the right. academy, uh, yeah. who might be very good, but I think Francisco is, is by far the best of the other, of the other four. Excellent. All right, well, let's get into our weekly roundup in detail. We're going to start with Syria and what was on Sunday a game of the season. The Totally Football Show European Edition's Moment of the Weekend. Brought to you by Paddy Power. If one leg of your 4 plus fold acre lets you down, get a free bet on all football leagues and all markets. Max free bet £10, minimum odds 1 to 5 per leg. Online exclusive, no shop bets. T's and C's apply. 18 plus begamblerware.org. Per Morata, dentro il pallone, attenzione di McKenny verso De Ciglio, De Ciglio può calciare, De Ciglio, De Ciglio, De Ciglio, siamo avanti noi, 4-3, ha segnato Mattia De Ciglio. Extraordinary match, Sunday tea time at the Stadio Olimpico, Roma with 3-1 up, with about 20 minutes to go, then... Juventus scored three goals in seven minutes and Matteo De Ciglio there with the winner... Over one and a half thousand days after he got his first ever City A goal, that was his second. Quite remarkable. James, you were witness to all of this. Yeah, it was remarkable um, because uh, Juventus don't score goals. Um, so when they were 3-1 down and they'd lost Federico Chiesa to injury, um, Chiesa, who has since had a scan, it's been revealed that he's torn his ACL and will miss the rest of the season, which also means he will miss the World Cup playoff. Uh, for Italy in March, um, he thought, wow, there's no way back uh, for Juventus now. Absolutely not. And yet, uh, that Manuel Locatelli goal, not a rare goal for him, but a rare goal from midfield for Juventus, uh, got them back into it at 3-2. And then uh, just seemed that all hell broke loose um, after that. And for De Chilio to pop up, as you mentioned, someone who'd only ever scored one top-flight goal before in quite a long and, uh, his critics would say, underwhelming um, career was just incredible. Um, I think Landucci, uh, the former goalkeeper, who's uh, Massimiliano Allegri's assistant, uh, deserves some credit um, if it was him making the substitutions rather than Allegri, who was suspended for basically uh, getting into the referee's ear after the draw against Napoli on Thursday night um, because the substitutions changed the game. Uh, I thought Morata came on. You know, Morata, who yeah, often criticised by myself um, for, yes, scoring goals, but often being remembered for the ones that he misses. Uh, he was involved in the second and the third uh, for Juventus. And also Artur, who came on. I think Juventus fans now expect... Allegri going forward to play Artur and Locatelli in midfield. Um, the problem has been that Artur, I think, wants to move um, because he hasn't been playing up until now. Uh, but one of the reasons why he hasn't been playing up until now is he's always injured. But from a Roma perspective, oh, my word. I mean, to take the lead, to perhaps have been even further in front, you know, to concede that great Dybala goal, um, which, was, which came out of nothing. And uh, and then to get yourself 3-1 up, uh, deservedly so, and collapse in the way that they did 
um, felt quintessentially Roma in some respects. But yeah, I mean the drama of of, of Pellegrini, who managed to score a, a worldy free kick, but was unable to put the penalty away, and Chesney, who is the hero in both of the games against Roma this season, his former club, saved a penalty to ensure that his side won at the Allianz Stadium, saved a, a another penalty here to ensure that they won again, was was uh, yeah, it's it's there was so much going on in that game. It's 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 hard to kind of. Do it justice, really, um, mm. and I, I would find it actually hard to rewatch because the actual experience of watching it live was just something incredible, really. Mm. Remarkable goals, a remarkable outcome. Terrible news about Federico Chiesa, who, as you say, out for the season. Juventus three points off the top four now, six points off a collection of teams who are training behind them in the race for top four finishes. From Roma's point of view, one of the things before the game, and it was an absolutely extraordinary game to watch, but one of the talking points prior to kickoff was the fact that for the first time in a very long time, there were three Englishmen in a Serie A team starting lineup: Tammy Abraham, Ainsley Maitland-Niles and Chris Smalling for Roma. Yeah, for the first time ever in Serie A. Remember, Serie A has been around since 1927. Um, so I'm pretty sure when you know Herbert Kilpin was setting up AC Milan and uh, right. James Richardson Spensley was setting up Genoa, Genoa, yeah, we would have had three English yeah. players. Yeah, so Gab Marcotti reckons 1901 when Hood, right. Kilpin, Davis, and Allison all lined up for uh, for, for Milan. Yeah, not that Allison, the English Allison. Yeah, um, but um, and I thought Tammy Abraham played really well in this game um, and. Could have had a hat trick if he'd got a little bit lucky, um, because that chance uh, before his goal, um, which uh, Smalling header from a corner flicked on by Tammy Chesney saves it, and then right at the end of the first half, again Smalling header, and Tammy from point blank range uh, doesn't really know a lot about it, so it's not like he can really direct it on goal and knees it over. I think his knee got in the way. I think he was expecting it to hit his foot and the knee just somehow. But anyway, as you say. Mm. And then even that Chesney risky, I'm going to run out and dive to his feet and manage to push the ball away. Yeah, that was again, Tammy threw on goal. So um, as much as Mourinho said there was a psychological collapse, I thought Mm. actually, okay, you can criticise Roma from um, throwing their lead away from 3-1 to to, to 4-3. But even at 4-3, you know, they obviously had the penalty and they kept creating. You know, I mean, I think one of the things that made this game so epic was the fact that Giorgio Chiellini comes on. Um, They go three at the back and within two minutes, Chiellini's head is bandaged. (laughs) It's just brilliant. Um, And at that point, I thought, right, okay, Chiellini's there. There's no way they let this slip now. And, and, And they didn't. Were you boys able to follow the extraordinary events at the Olympico? I was, I was able to, and uh, I thought at some point that with the 3-1 it was going to be pretty much impossible for, for Juventus to come back. But I was very, very happy to see that Dybala, uh, just uh, I want to single out Paulo Dybala, finish off that one with such a confidence because we have seen uh, Dybala sometimes being a little bit more not so accurate or maybe just uh, not so confident to do a finish like this. But that reminded me of the best Paulo Dybala. So it's very good mm. to have him back and... Of course, as James said now, now that Chiesa is not going to be around, I know that they don't play in the same position, but uh, probably Paolo Dybala is going to have more creative responsibilities, even more now. So it's very important to have him fresh, fit, and especially confident. 
Yeah, the ball flashed in by Chiesa from the wing and then Dybala just meeting it and, well, bringing it in under control uh, pretty deftly and then curling it uh, past the defender into the, uh, it, just inside the post. Lovely stuff. Was that was that the best goal of the game, uh, Jules, or did you go for Lorenzo Pellegrini's oh, wonderful yeah. free kick? Yeah, the free kick from Pellegrini is great mm. and he could have been a hero. And instead, the penalty miss is, is what we will mostly remember as well from, from the game. I have to say, as, as good as Landucci's coaching was, him or Allegri, whatever, I was very disappointed by Mourinho, almost as, as, as disappointing as his, as his comments post-game because, once again, it was not his fault if they lost it because the players were weak and because they lack character and it's not him that needs to adapt to the players. It's the players that have to sort of copy him or whatever way he, he put it. I think at 3-2 after the, the Locatelli goal, you, you sense, or, I mean, just me watching on television, you, you sense that the game is turning and yet, instead of bringing him on, I don't know, Kumbula or or VR or someone like that, or changing something. You know, I don't know if Maitland Nice really, after arriving five minutes before kickoff, could have played the whole 90 minutes. He did well, to be fair to him, in the context. But I was very surprised by coaching or lack of coaching from Mourinho. And I think he's partly to blame for the defeat too. Mm. Roman has conceded, um, was checking that, 28 goals and uh, from the top seven in Italy. They are the, the club that has conceded more goals. And we all take as Mourinho, or maybe not anymore, but uh, he was uh, regarded as the defensive mastermind. And the truth is that his teams lately, Tottenham as well, they haven't been particularly great defensively. No, indeed not. Their dreadful run of results against the big clubs continues. They've now lost uh, this week to Milan. Uh, on Thursday, and Juve here, and they've lost at home to Inter Milan and Juve, all in the space of the same season. Desperate news. Juve, meanwhile, have a date with Inter, the Serie A leaders in the Super Cup on Wednesday. Inter, who are fresh from a 2-1 victory over Lazio. You had this as the this kind of second half of your Serie A doubleheader on, on, on Sunday, James. <laughs> yeah, it was really hard um, to focus on this game. Um I really needed to um, cool down after after the Roma Juventus one. Uh, it was it was a good game by any other standard. Yeah, I, I think in some respects the the quality was higher. Uh, mm. Maybe didn't have as much entertainment value, um, but Inter keep on keeping on. Um, yeah, I think they were unlucky not to go in front earlier. Nice pass from Alexis Sanchez for Lautaro. Goal ruled out for a marginal offside. Um, Immobile had a couple of chances himself as well, but. Uh, Inter came through that uh, pretty clean. Yeah, I don't think they lost anyone uh, to suspension, which is key because those suspensions carry into the Super Cup rather than into the next league game. So not only have Juventus lost uh, Chiesa to injury, but they will be the out delict at San Siro against Inter and they'll be without Quadrado as well. So Ooh. that's a, a very depleted um, Juventus team going in for the first piece of silverware, which you know, as much as people will say, ah, it's the Super Cup, who cares? Yeah, it's a chance for Simone Inzaghi to win his first piece of silver as an inter coach, um, and yeah, these things tend to matter when a new coach comes in and takes over some from someone as big as Conte. So, I think that's definitely going to be a game worth watching rather than just thinking of it as a exhibition piece. So, uh, tune in. One of the reasons, of course, that James was struggling to keep his eyes on Inter Lazio was because. Leon PSG was taking place at the same time. What again? That <laughs> he was texting me. How yeah. come? You know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah, was watching well, that more than anything else. Really. Exactly. We'll, we'll come on to that a little bit later on. And next up, let's get our Rook Runda underway with the Bundesliga. 
This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. The Athletic is the only place you can read articles by Daniel Taylor, Amy Lawrence, Phil Hay, James Pierce, Ollie Kay, and the very best football writers around. Hier jetzt natürlich fast alles nach vorne werfen, mit links reingegeben, Kopfballmöglichkeit 2 zu 1, das gibt's doch gar nicht. Stefan Leiner. Yep, it's the Bundesliga with no one here to correct our pronunciation excitingly. Uh, the Rookrunder, the second half of the season, got underway on Friday. Bayern Munich, with a losing start, defeated 2-1 by Borussia Mönchengladbach at the Allianz Arena again. You recall that uh, Gladbach had beaten Bayern 5-0 earlier this season in the German Cup. This time, Bayern were without 13 first-teamers. Uh, most of whom were out with COVID, although there were one or two other uh, circumstances as well. They had applied to get the game postponed. Bundesliga's not into that, thank you. Uh, Bayern were forced to bring on a 16-year-old at one point. Crikey. Did you watch this game as well, football addicts that you are? Yeah, Friday night. <laughs> yes. All right. What was your take? I think they can play another 99 times. They will win. They created enough. I think they switched off for, for five minutes in that first half when they considered the two goals. I mean... You mentioned the, the players that they, well, that Nagelsmann had to bring on or, or brought on, uh, and uh, that Paul Weiner became the youngest ever Bayern Munich player to come on, even younger than Musiala. Uh, it's funny because before the game, Nagelsmann was all like, "We want the revenge from the cup defeat." You know, I mm. think he even used the some some rude words, uh, and in the end, it was just not there. I, I don't think it was the the evening. Obviously, all the players missing was a was a big blow, and. In the bigger picture, I don't think it's a disaster for them to win their six points clear of Dortmund still. Right. But but yeah, it's, it's still unusual to see them losing. Uh, that's their third defeat already this season. Although not unusual to see them losing to Borussia Mönchengladbach, yeah, who I think true. have beaten them six times out of the last 11. Dortmund closing the gap on Saturday to six points at the top. Dortmund with a quite uncharacteristic performance. They were 2-0 down away to Eintracht Frankfurt, but then came back to score three goals in the last 20 minutes. All three of them set up by Erling Haaland, Togan Hazard, Jude Bellingham and Mahmoud Dahoud are with the winner. And if you wondered uh, how good Erling Haaland's Spanish is, well, yes. you might have heard that he had a very strong argument with the Eintracht Frankfurt um, striker and, and, and uh, scorer of a brace in that game, Rafael Santos Borre, the, the Colombian. And, and, and Haaland was all like, hey, ¿qué pasa, hermano? Blah, 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 blah. So, yeah, he's, he's ready for a move to Spain, that's for sure. Feliz Navidad. Did he do yeah. that as well? <laughs> it was, it was, I think it was the next line, but the referee intervened and all of that. So right, right. He's ready for a move to Spain. He's clearly been studying. So oh, clearly. Uh, Barcelona, Real Madrid. I mean, Barcelona are back. They can't register anyone, but right. they will be able to sign Erling Haaland. Anyone, you know, it's, yeah. it's coming. Yeah, we'll, we'll touch on that in a second. But I was looking at the Bundesliga today and I noticed a remarkable thing. Everyone's played the same number of games. They literally have not postponed a single fixture yet. Because they just don't. They tell people if you've got 11 players, 11 of your senior squad available, and it has to be for COVID, it can't be, you can't throw in injuries the way that, say, the Premier League does, then you have to go ahead and play the fixture. And so far, they've managed to proceed 
with the, the the schedule untouched. Compare and contrast that with with your leagues. I mean, James City has a total mess at this point. Um, we'll maybe <laughs> touch on that in a second. Alvaro, how's it in Spain? It's not a massive mess. It could be worse, but uh, I think that. Um, What's happening on Premier League it doesn't have any parallel in the rest of the European leagues as far as I am aware. What happens to Burnley, for example, who has four games uh, less played than uh, the leader table, Manchester City. And Spain is all right. I think the biggest uh, paradox is that probably Spain started the league um, from the organizational point of view worse than the rest of the leagues. Because do you remember that when the South American qualifiers in September and in October were played, that uh, Atletico, Barcelona, and then Real Madrid, and I believe Sevilla, or Villarreal, I'm not too sure, were exempt from playing that weekend because the South American players were going to arrive late. Well, that looked like it was going to distort the calendar a lot, plus the COVID. But the COVID hasn't hit Spain that much, or at least Spanish clubs as much. Then the rules are a little bit more flexible. Uh, you can play with many players from your B team. And at the same time, in Christmas, Spain has has stopped playing football for about eight to ten days, which has helped a lot of clubs to, you know, get their act together, to enforce the protocols, and more or less everything is okay now. Mm, all right. In Italy, meanwhile, I don't think we got anyone with four games in hand a la Burnley, but the curious situation there is that a lot of these games are currently scheduled to be forfeited uh, as 3-0 as victories to the to the uh, the team that did turn up. Teams have been turning up to fixtures, James. You can explain this better. Because the league won't officially admit that they're going to postpone the game. So the side that does have the players has to turn up as if they were going to play a game. And that way they can have it recorded as a 3-0 win for them. But in the knowledge that down the line, the other side is going to appeal and they'll just have to replay the fixture anyway. Yeah, it's complicated. I mean, it was a very fast-moving situation on Thursday um, when... Yeah, I mean, over the course of, of the last week, 10 days preceding it, there have been more than 100 cases of, of COVID uh, in Syria. And the protocol or lack of a protocol, um, which is quite astonishing, really, um, given we've been in this situation for two years, all of a sudden became a problem. Um, and now they've kind of fallen into line with the Bundesliga, whereby, um, you know, if you've got 12 outfield players and a goalkeeper, you mm. absolutely must play. And it doesn't matter um, if you have to draw upon kids from your primavera in order to fulfill a fixture. It has to go ahead. So you had this situation yesterday where Udinese had, I mean, 12 positives, eight players who'd had to train by themselves, so not as a team, playing against Atalanta um, and losing 6-2. Uh, and that infuriated uh, the hierarchy at Udinese. They didn't think it represented fair play. Not a match, but a martyrdom. <laughs> Pretty much. And then you had this situation on Monday where Bologna is saying, hang on a minute, we're in quarantine at the moment and uh, we're not going to be allowed to train. And yet on Tuesday, when we come out of quarantine, we're supposed to be in Cagliari to play a game. This just doesn't make any sense. You know, we, we, we will be going into a game having not done any training whatsoever for it. How is this fair? And uh, the league just doesn't seem to be sympathetic, partly because uh, at the end of last week, the Italian Football Federation had a call from uh, the Prime Minister of Italy saying, uh, you know what, I, th I think we might actually shut Serie down for a fortnight. Um, and uh, the Italian Football Federation said, OK, uh, hang on. Uh, what can we do to stop this happening? Okay, 
will limit crowds even more, will make protocols even more rigid, rigid than they are. And so you have this, yeah, compromise, which is not really satisfying to anyone at the moment. Right. And it's also, this is key, James, one last point. It's impacting transfer strategy um, because a lot of clubs are now thinking, hang on, right, okay, so we're only allowed to play in front of 5,000 fans that's not very good for big teams like Inter, Lazio, Romy, Juventus, and that sort of thing. And teams that were considering maybe dabbling in the transfer market, saying, okay, well, we're no longer guaranteed of getting these gate receipts, getting this kind of revenue. So actually, maybe we'll stick rather than twist. Yeah, it's a curious decision to reduce the attendances because that's really not where the question is in, in terms of player positives. It's not as if the players mm. have been picking up all these infections from the, from the crowd. At least, not the way I understand it. No, Jules? It's, to stop, it's to stop the spread of the virus within society, like yeah. in France right. and in Germany. It's only England, really, because even at the African Cup of Nations, they've reduced capacity of yeah. stadiums. And in Spain as well. Yeah, mm. Spain as well. So, I mean, in France, it's a great idea because they don't do it depending on how big your stadium is. It's 5,000 fans for everyone, whether you've got a 5,000 seater stadium, so they would it'd be full, or 60,000, and they put them all in the same stand. So they can't obviously <laughs> social distance. So now they've realized how stupid it was. So now they've, they've spread them out. Uh, but <laughs> we've had games where they were all together, all 5,000 of them in the one same stand, which right. obviously defy all logic. It does a bit, doesn't it? All right. Well, we'll talk about Liga very shortly. Next up, let's move on to La Liga. It's the Paddy Power Football Supporters Support Line. We're talking to Joe in Newcastle and Greg in Norwich. How are you feeling, gents? Oh, uh, yeah, good. Optimistic, Paddy. Uh, but your team's at the bottom of the table. Why are you so happy? Well, I think I speak for Norwich and Newcastle fans everywhere when I say we really fancy our chances of uh, winning the championship next year. Ah, silver linings, eh? Just like with Paddy Power's Bet Builder, where you get money back as a free bet if one leg lets you down. Paddy Power applies to pre-match online bet builder bets with minimum four legs of at least one to five odds each. Max free bet ten pounds per day. Excludes enhanced match odds. T's and C's apply. 18plusbegambleaware.org. We're sponsored for this episode of the Totally Football Show by Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform helping you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, which is up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. Plus, you can sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. And what's more, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 support is there to help your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Now, because you listen to The Totally Football Show, you can sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash totally, all in lowercase. So go to shopify.com slash totally to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. That's S-H-O-P-I-F-Y dot com slash totally. On Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Smart Speaker and now ad-free on The Athletic, this is The Totally Football Show with James Richardson. Spanish Super Cup played this week in its traditional home of Saudi Arabia, Alvaro. <laughs> Barcelona facing Real Madrid on Wednesday. On Thursday, it's your athletic club, de Bilbao, taking on rubbishy old Atletico Madrid. You've got one foot in the final, I reckon. Uh, we are the title holders. Yes. So I think we yeah. should be treated with a little bit of 
Respect. Re yeah, respect to the world, yeah. Him. A little bit yeah. of fear. Yeah. Tweet it. Tweet that out. Yeah. 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 A, li a little bit of fear. So, okay. So, yeah, but, you know, there is this, um, this rumor that... Uh, the Super Cup was uh, kind of organized this way with four clubs as opposed to two, as it was originally, because uh, the organizers wanted to have more classicals um, right. and the host country as well, as many as possible. So here you are. You've got a Clásico in the middle of January between Barcelona and Real Madrid, first semifinal. Second semifinal between Athletic Club Bilbao and Atletico de Madrid. I think that this one is going to be more contested than the other one. Oh, yeah. And then the final on Sunday. Yeah. Yeah, all right. Well, Atletico Madrid, another disappointing result this weekend. Only a 2-2 draw away at Villarreal. Oh, they did feature a magnificent goal from just past the halfway line from Angel Correa. How did Atletico get on this weekend? Uh, pro probably the worst decision I have made this weekend was watching Alaves Athletic Club. Um, right. It was always going to be that kind of game because it's tremendously rainy here in the Basque Country. It's cold. It's a derby and uh, none of the teams score many goals. So it was a proper nil-nil. A proper nil-nil, excellent. Yeah. Okay, but they were saving themselves, no doubt, for um, laying on you know the show in the sunny climes of Saudi Arabia. Excellent. Uh, Real Madrid going into their clash with Barcelona after bouncing back from their opening game of 2022, in which they'd been defeated at Getafe. This time around, they beat Valencia 4-1 amid controversy, as you were mentioning earlier on, Alvaro. Uh, but it did see both Benzema and Vinicius picking up a brace. Benzema reaching 300 goals for the club. Only three players have ever scored more for Real Madrid. Kareem the dream! Pro probably those are Cristiano, uh, Alfredo Di Stefano and Raul, right? And yes, so, yeah, definitely. So, which, yeah. which is which is very impressive by Karim mm. Benzema. He has scored um, every 97 minutes in the league and every wow. 88 minutes in the Champions League. So, you know, he's having a really, really fine season. And all together with Vinicius, they are doing a very good uh, pair. They have scored 27 goals between them. And, uh, you know, Valencia doesn't have a match-winning uh, player. Uh, maybe Carlos Soler can be that guy, but he was absent from this game. And Real Madrid has Karim Benzema. And uh, Benzema scored the penalty. That penalty that Valencia complained about. And, uh, on Casemiro. And then uh, he scored another one for Real Madrid. Vinicius was also in the score sheet. And I think Real Madrid uh, won because they are simply better than Valencia. I think Valencia did a very fine job. But as soon as they had a dip in their form during the game, Real Madrid capitalized. Valencia didn't just uh, spread the red carpet, but Real Madrid just uh, profited uh, the second that Valencia just uh, lost a little bit the focus and the concentration. And yeah, this is a Real Madrid team that is, they have recovered from the loss against Getafe, a loss that they could actually afford because they have a decent um, advantage at the top of the table. Mm. And uh, the, the news is that... Uh, Ancelotti is going to continue with that 10 plus 1 lineup. I mean, we always know who is going to play uh, for Real Madrid. And the only player that rotates is the right winger. One day can be Rodrigo, another day can be Asensio, and another, way can be, uh, another day can be Eden Hazard. But generally speaking, Carlo Ancelotti knows or has detected uh, this time as the right one to take us the biggest possible advantage uh, over the rest of the clubs and he's using his preferred players to the point that uh, when one of them leaves the pitch, like for example Luka Modric against Valencia, who was phenomenal by the way, again, hyperactive and uh, he was everywhere, ever present, ever green. The moment Luka Modric left the pitch, Real Madrid felt it. There are two steps in quality in Real Madrid right now. Whoever is playing, whoever is in the bench and uh, Carlo Ancelotti knows that and I think that he's using all that to his benefit. 
Alvaro, as an impartial observer, how much of a case did Valencia and, and Betis have in their complaints about the refereeing? I think that both uh, actions are quite uh, interpretative, really. I think that what happened to Casemiro, well, some may argue that that is not a penalty. In my opinion, uh, it was really because if a, if a person or if a player is uh, running and suddenly like, he gets touched slightly, uh, obviously he's going to lose the balance. I think that Casemiro didn't mind falling down in the box. That's another mm. story. But I don't think that there is such a thing as a robbery. But we all know that Valencia and Real Madrid they have had like a long row for many years. Well, it's been kind of underground uh, for the last decade, let's put it that way. But in 2003, 2004, in the big days of Valencia, when Valencia was actually contender to win the league and they won many leagues, uh, they had all this type of problems every now and then, Madrid and Valencia, to the point that once Jorge Valdano... Uh, went to the to the dugout to talk to the referee in the halftime of one of the games between Madrid and Valencia. I believe that Betis obviously can complain as well about what happened to Alex Moreno because the referee, as soon as Alex Moreno hit uh, the Rayo Vallecano player, uh, the referee went to uh, let the action happen and as soon as the ball went out, then he reviewed that action, not with the air. He went to the players and he had the yellow card in his hand and he was going to show it to Alex Moreno, but uh, as soon as he saw that easy Rayo Vallecano player was bleeding because Alex Moreno just lifted or raised his leg a little bit too much, uh, he showed him the red card. So... I think that is not exactly um, blood what should determine uh, whether it's a yellow or a red, right? But the impact, and the referee thought in the first place that that was only worth a yellow, mm. but then he changed his mind, and that's why Betis uh, got angry. But again, this is the kind of thing that doesn't look good because it uh, ultimately is just uh, hinting that there is like a, like a conspiracy against mm. these teams puts a shadow over the over the league and that doesn't it, it, it puts a shadow anybody. over the league mm. of course and especially if you accuse Real Madrid because we all know that they are normally winning uh, many leagues so I think that this is not nice in the past this was done by presidents in the halftime talking to reporters being overheated and in the heat of the moment they were saying things like this but when you tweet this uh, you have had the time to think about it and then Yet you tweet it, you click on mm. it. So I think that this is something else. And it doesn't look nice in La Liga as well. And it's uh, throwing a shadow in the league that uh, I don't think that it benefits anyone. Okay. Of course, we've seen this in, in other countries in the past. And in, in one, it did kind of turn out to be true, the, the winds yep. of the north and all that. Anyway, <laughs> uh, Barcelona taking on Real Madrid then on Wednesday. A 1-1 draw for them this weekend against Granada. Um, is someone going to discreetly tap them on the arm and tell them they have no money, Alvaro? Mm, I, I think that they, they are pretty aware of that. Are uh, they? Yeah, they are, they are aware and somehow they are managing at least to register the players that they want to get in winter. So Ferran Torres, who they uh, announced with much fanfare, they can't register him yet? No, but they have done it today. They oh, they have, have done, done it today. Okay, Finally, right. yes, because they found a way. Uh, Matteo Alemani, the sporting director, he... <laughs> He extended the contract of Untiti, as mm -hmm. strange as it sounds, uh, right. until 2026. Untiti barely plays for Barcelona these days. Right. And that is the financial engineering needed. So they reduced his wage and that gave them enough of a margin. Yeah, they reduced Untiti's right. wages. Uh, you extend his contract for four years now. 
But it, but I, I mean, I read that they're still interested in players like Erling Haaland. That would require all Barcelona's players to pay them for pitching up. At... Uh, no, it, it will require a lot. It will require everyone. For example, Sergi Roberto just yes. lowering his salary, something that they have asked him for uh, to do. It will require probably selling Philip Coutinho. Yeah. So, so where do you think these stories come from? Is it Barcelona who are just kind of addicted to, to the thrill of kind of just window shopping and they just can't. No, there are a few things. Uh, to start with, there are contradictory messages because John Laporta has said a couple of times that this was possible, like bringing big, big stars. And then perhaps we have seen some other members of the directing board silencing Laporta in a very polite way, telling him, well, uh, we'll have to work on what we have, number one, and make sure that we reduce our salary mass. Then next season, Barcelona is going to have a really low salary cap, even lower than now, because mm -hmm. the Liga rules are uh, quite strict. So it is quite impossible that Barcelona can make a big move next summer unless they really offload many, many important players. And when I'm talking about important players, I'm talking about the likes of Frankie de Jong, I'm talking about the likes of one of the promising youngsters. So this doesn't seem to be what's going to happen, of course. Uh, and at the minute, every talk that you can hear about uh, signing Erling Haaland or, or whichever the player is a little bit of a smoke. I believe that the fact that uh, Barcelona has two diaries fully devoted to report on sport only, like uh, sport and mundo deportivo, doesn't help either because uh, sometimes or many times they are just bringing stories or rumors or they are talking to agents and all that. And yes, there are many pages to be filled day by day. And uh, eventually you end up just uh, writing about rumors like this. It's true that Mino Rayola is a very good contact of Joan Laporta. But as it stands for Barcelona to sign Erling Haaland, they will have to do a tremendous uh, work. It will be like shaking a cocktail maker and, uh, you know, changing everything upside down to be able to sign a player of this caliber and to be able to pay a player of this caliber. Because if you sign Erling Haaland, you know that you are going to compete with the likes of Manchester City, Real Madrid or whoever to pay him the highest possible salary. Right. Okay. Not going to Barcelona then by the sound of it. Brilliant stuff, Alvaro. Next up, let's check in on PSG Podge and the whole Ligue 1 gang. We're all driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. You can use Indeed for scheduling, screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. According to their own survey, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. Remember the last time you were hiring and how slow and overwhelming it was? Well, you don't need to go through all that again. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent. And because you listen to The Totally Football Show, Indeed is going to give you a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash totally. That's I-N-D-E-E-D.com slash totally. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed at Indeed.com. You're listening to The Totally Football Show in association with Paddy Power. And with Paddy Power, if something doesn't go quite to plan, you can get your money back as a free bet if one leg of your bet builder lets you down. Which will come in handy when Mikel Arteta finally bends the process altogether. Pre-match bet builders only get your stake back as a free bet, minimum four plus legs. Maximum free bet is £10. Other T's and C's apply, and please gamble responsibly. All right, how's the new year going in the French capital, Jules? Mm. <laughs> mm. 
Not so good, huh? That's the most Parisian reaction I've ever heard you give, I think. Oh. Mbappé was brilliant, though. Mbappé was brilliant again. Against Lyon. He was unlucky not to score two or three. Uh, yeah, yeah, he hit the outside of the post twice, but Free kick. I thought they defended well on him. It's just, he's he's PSG. That's that's why he's right now when Messi is not there mm. and he was not really ready. He tested positive for COVID uh, during the, the winter break. Uh, Neymar is still injured. And this team has been saved so many times by Mbappe. It basically, whole, the whole style of the team and everything is just over him, on him, around him, for him, whatever him you want. And if he doesn't do it for you, then you struggle. And in the end, which is great because it's the entrance of two of the youngsters, uh, Edouard Michu and, and Xavi Simons. One, Michu is a Paris-born and bred kid through the academy, through and through. Simons is, is a young player, very talented, that they got from Barcelona a um, couple of years ago, three years ago, who have been crying for that a chance for the first team in, in Ligue 1. They've played in the domestic cups, but... In Ligue 1, really, that was the first time they had a proper chance in a big game as well. And they made a big difference for the last 25 minutes when they when they come on. And Michu gave the assist to Kerrer for the, the PSG goal to make it 1-1. Um, so I really hope that now Pochettino gives them a proper chance. And they deserve to start ahead of players like Andre Herrera, who was shocking in that game. Wijnaldum, who in fairness to him, is, is moved around by Pochettino everywhere, but was shocking again on Sunday night. So I think they deserve the chance to start now. Okay, just one win now in the last five Ligue 1 games for Paris Saint-Germain. Yeah. I did read about some controversy over Messi not bothering to tell Pochettino that he tested positive. Was that a real story? Or was that people just causing no, just muckraking? I, th- I think he was waiting for another PCR test, which actually proved negative, and then he he he, he came back not not actually not much longer after the others. Okay. I think maybe that's the reason. The controversy was that there was a lot of, it seems like I wasn't there, uh, but it seemed that there was a lot of partying for the Messi family back in Rosario in Argentina when they went for the winter break. Uh, Certainly there was a lot of videos posted by Messi himself on social media, which you could clearly see they were having a great time. Uh, And maybe could have been a bit more careful with the virus, but that's it. I don't think there was any controversy within the club. They're hoping that he'd be ready now for you know, obviously the next few games, but especially the big one now. And I think everything that we look at now through PhD's lens is for that Real Madrid game in the month time, where really this is where they have to be building towards and hopefully for them improving. Because if you watch them play yesterday uh, against the Lyon team in crisis, Peter Bosch under huge pressure, and you give them already so many opportunities on transition and on counter-attacking, if you do that against Madrid, who are maybe one of the best teams in Europe this season at that, then I think you're you're going to face a lot of troubles. Well, indeed. All right, well, for now, PSG seven points clear at the top of Ligue 1 of Nice and Marseille. Nice, who won at Brest. Marseille, who got that historic win at Bordeaux that you mentioned earlier. Eight of the 14 teams that were in action this weekend failed to score a goal. Amongst them, Nantes and Monaco, who had a nil-nil draw in the debut game of Monaco's new manager Philippe Clement uh, of Club Bruges yeah 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 remember we saw him on the gold show with, with Bruges doing really well not just this season but in the past three seasons as well uh, and I think that's what really caught the eye of, of Paul Mitchell and, and Monaco they sacked Niko Kovac on New Year's Day which Raphael Honigstein's favourite coach 
Yeah, world class, as he always says, which I thought was a bit harsh. I mean, they'd lost one in the last 11 uh, when he was sacked. Yeah, they were outside of the top three in France, but they were closing down on that top three. And I think a lot of the players in the dressing room was were also disappointed. But that's that's how the, the Russian owner rules and the you know his, his people who running the club. And now it's Philippe Clément who they drew nil nil. There was not much he could do after three days of, of training. But I think they they like his profile and the style of football that he, he usually implements his team. No Clemency for Kovac, but Clément, which is of course how you pronounce it, not what I did before. Uh, for Monaco. Brilliant stuff. Excellent. Hey, is Sven Botman joining Newcastle from Lille? Or Milan, maybe? Or oh, no. half a dozen clubs no. that won no. him? I don't no. think he will go anywhere. No, all right then. Lille don't need money anymore. Is that right? No, they still do. They still no, do. They, they will sell in the summer probably more than now. It's a bit... With the Champions League last 16 coming up and the games against Chelsea, plus the fact that they're still you know, quite far behind. They didn't play this weekend. The game was postponed because of COVID reasons. But they need to make up the gap uh, with the top three, uh, or ha- trying to. I think they they keep they try to keep all their best players. That includes Renato Sanchez and Jonathan David, who are very likely to leave in the summer, like Botman. But, mm. but no, no, no. Okay then. All right. Uh, after this, let's conclude with some very important news about Serie A. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Serie A, everybody, is still a twenty-team league. Hooray! Woo! Yeah. Yeah. Salernitana was saved, really, at the last minute. I mean, I'm talking last minute of New Year's Eve. James, how dramatic mm. was it? Yeah, very dramatic, because uh, the Italian Football Federation, listening to Salernitana fans who said, keep your promise, kick us out. We're kick sick of out. being co-owned by Claudio Lotito, the Lazio owner. Uh, and then, is it Danilo Iervolino, um, who is behind the uh, Open University, I suppose, the Ital- Italian equivalent, uh, well, he's been uh, he's clearly been studying up on Serie A because his first game, they won. So he comes in, he comes in and rescues them, and now it's all about just keeping them up. But yes, yeah. a two-one victory away at the Bentegodi against Verona in form Verona, taking them to minus six, only six points <laughs> away from from safety. But you know they've got belief, they've got morale, they've got all sorts of things in their favour now. Yeah, also desire to spend a bit of money uh, mm. in the transfer window. Um, however, I think, as is the case with clubs in the Premier League, uh, who've got more money, like Newcastle, a lot of players don't want to join a relegation battle. Uh, right. yeah, they don't want to be in City of B or the Championship next year. So it is a challenge um, for them. Um, but yeah, uh, interesting how just a change of owner or just, yeah, just a change of, uh, how do they say, in Italy there's a change of air, don't they? Change of mm. atmosphere. Um, can just lift a team and maybe free it a little. Well, absolutely. It must have been rotten for them just knowing that nobody wanted them. For months and months and months they've been on the market <laughs> and nobody, nobody wanted them. Anyway, they're still bottom of the table but they're closing the gap on the side in 17th which is Venezia beaten by Milan uh, this weekend. Genoa and Spezia, meanwhile, the other two teams in the bottom three, oh. faced each other, James. Yeah, poor Sheva. Um, is, is he going to get the shover soon? Well, I mean, he's had nine games, hasn't he? Uh, he hasn't won one yet in the league. He did um, win in the cup. I mean, on Thursday, you know, we saw that they drew against the Sassuolo side that beat Empoli 5-1 this weekend. Matteo mm. Destro with a lovely backheeled goal. Destro back 
for the team. They've even signed a relative of Tony Yeboa, Kelvin Yeboa, who's been playing in Austria for Sturm Graz, has been scoring lots of goals, plays for Italy's um, youth teams. Um, I think after Ciro Immobile, the most prolific Italian uh, in football at the moment. I think it, um, Who is, sorry? He's been doing so well in Austria. Kelvin Yeboa. Is he? Um, so, yeah, so he he's signed. Maybe he can give Sheva a lift if they decide to stick with Sheva. The, the, the problem is, is that in general, have still got a couple of coaches on their books. You know, I mean, they've changed owners, but they may not change practices <laughs> in terms of having several different coaches in a year. So Rolando Moran is still on the payroll. Also uh, Davide Balladini. Now that the, the move that Preziosi, the former owner would make here is just mm. bring back Balladini and Balladini. And it usually would, no worked as well. Up. Yeah, it would. And yeah, it's, it's the fact, it's a fact that whenever he starts a season, he doesn't finish it, but when he comes in, he keeps them up. So, um, you know what to do. Although I, oh, it would it's, break it's our like hearts. killing Bambi yeah. sacking Sheva. Yeah, it's, it really is. But yeah, anyway, they lost 1-0. Spezia, surprisingly, James, um, look like they're going to stay up. You know, even though they've got this squad with so many no-name players, they've got transfer ban as well uh, from the previous owners. The team hates Thiago Motta. I say that's a, that's, that's, that's a strong way of putting it, but uh, a portion of the, the dressing room doesn't really like his style of football, his way of playing. Uh, they looked at sacking. Uh, Tiago Motta yeah, in between the winter break and the, the resumption of the, the league. And then Marco Giampaolo basically said, nah, I don't fancy the job. So they, they stuck with um, Tiago Motta. It's very similar to what happened with Samp, where Samp were basically going to hire Dejan Stankovic. And it just so happened that the owner got arrested um, whilst he was trying to do that. And Roberto Diversa stayed in place. So, yeah, bizarre stuff going on in Liguria. Uh, really, what a surprise! You know, eh? Something's something in the pesto there. Clearly, <laughs> you you mentioned by the way that wonderful uh, Sassuolo five-one victory over Empoli. That also marked uh, something uh, very special for Liam Henderson. Yeah, uh, the fifth Scotsman to score in uh, in Serie. Um, so you're thinking what? Dennis Law, Sunes, Joe, Joe Jordan, Jordan. Yeah, Hickey, uh, who scored a few Hickey. this season. Right. Um, and finally, yeah, Liam, Liam Henderson. It was it was just unfortunate that he gave away a penalty. Uh, he did score, but then they lost 5-1. Um, so Sassuolo leapfrogged them. But yeah, Dionisi, one of the up-and-coming coaches who got the Sassuolo job on the back of getting this Empoli side promoted, um, going back and kind of saying, ha, take that. Um, but yeah, um, entertaining two teams of football who, you know, we mentioned Chiesa being injured. We've probably yep. got to mention Insigne signing for, for Toronto. Oh, yeah, and, cool. of course. Yeah, and so, so, so he'll be joining them at the end of the season, which means if Italy reached the World Cup, uh, having overcome a playoff in March, you know, um, they're going to be like uh, sweating on the fitness of Chiesa. Insigne is playing MLS, but Sassuolo, Sassuolo will solve the problem no. because we saw... Skamaka with a brace, Raspadori with a brace, Berardi setting up these goals. You know, it's Sassuolo Nazionale. That's what's happening. Um, so it's okay. Don't worry. Mancini's got this because Sassuolo are doing it for the Azzurri. So there All we go. All right. Nero Verdi for the Azzurri. Magnificent stuff. Uh, brilliant. Well, uh, that kind of wraps things up for our jaunt round the top five European leagues-ish uh, this week. Anything else you guys wanted to pitch in? Well, it's 2022, James. Yes. And Galatasaray have parted ways 
was Fatty Tareem. I don't know if this is the sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth time <laughs> this has happened, but he'll probably be back in six months' time. He'll probably be still coaching Galatasaray in 22-2-2. I don't know. It's, right. You know. Did you know that this is the first time in Super League history that Besiktas Fenerbahce and Galatasaray have all now changed their managers during the same season? Uh, it's not been a, a great wow. season. Yeah. That's good. Trapson. Trapson are running away with this. Yeah. Ten points clear of Konya Spore. My God. Isn't it? Fenerbahce in fourth, Besiktas in ninth, Galatasaray in twelfth. Yeah, Trapson. Isn't that Marik Hamsik's Trapson as well? Yeah. Which is the one that Balotelli is playing for? He's at Adana Demispor on the Syrian border. All yeah. right, then. Where are Adana Demispor? Seventh. Seventh. And he got in yeah. trouble for kicking a teammate in the head. As a celebration, you know, post-goal. Anyway. He scored seven goals so far this season in 19 games. It's a decent return. Yeah. There you go, national team. Bring it on. Bring it's it on. okay. It's all right. As many as Michi Batroy. Brilliant. Now, that's uh, where we'll leave things then for this week with a special Turkish deep dive on the horizon. We'll wrap this edition <laughs> of the Totally Football Show European edition up. Uh, many, many thanks to Alvaro, to Jules, to James and to producer Charlie. And uh, listener, thanks to you for joining us. We'll be here next Tuesday to join us and have a great week in the meantime. You've been listening to The Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Listen ad-free on the Athletic app and discover bonus content by following the Athletic UK Audio Plus on Apple Podcasts. Find out the very latest subscription offers at theathletic.com slash totally. The Totally Football Show is an Athletic Media Company production and sponsored by Paddy Power. The Athletic.